All right, so hello everyone. Um, today we have a very special guest. We have Claire Cashmore with us. Now, Claire is a very, very success successful Paralympic athlete. She's transferred from swimming now over to triathlon and she has been all around the world competing and training with those two sports. She is a quadruple Paralympian. She is looking to her fifth Paralympics, so Tokyo 2020 slash now 2021. Um, and she is a multiple Paralympic medalist as well. But on the side of that, she is also a fantastic ambassador for the charity Reach. And she's going to tell us all about her career and all about what she's doing with Reach today. So welcome, Claire. Thanks for being with us. How are you? Thank you. I feel like I'm not going to fit out the door with all those very nice compliments. So thank you very much. <laughs> all things that you did. <laughs> I paid you. I'll pay you later. <laughs> How are you, Claire? You well? You coping with lockdown? Okay. Yeah, good. It's definitely um, testing, isn't it? It's it's very much like the the wave of emotions. Some days you feel great and you're really really motivated, and then other days it's it's very much like I actually don't want to do anything. Um, but I think it definitely tests your character and it kind of makes you realise a lot about yourself. It's a, it's a great learning opportunity um, and it's a good opportunity to go back to basics a little bit and actually with no pressure at all on you. So yeah, it's, it's a mixed, very mixed uh, feeling towards it all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's what quite a few people are saying. It's sort of ups and downs. Some people just try and be like, oh no, it's always great all the time. But in reality, yeah, there are those ups and downs and it's all right to acknowledge that, I think. How are you, yeah, I think it's important to acknowledge that as well. I think it's important to realise that it's okay to feel like that. And yeah. you would be completely superhuman if you're feeling absolutely amazing every day. And if you are, gosh, you're an incredible person. <laughs> not an incredible person, but, you know, it's amazing that you can feel that way because that is not reality at all. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, obviously now, like Amy said, you transferred from the pool to uh, to triathlon so you've got three sports to try and train for during lockdown uh, how, how are you coping with that obviously like the lockdown measures we were only allowed to go out once a day until recently like how, how did you prioritize and fit things in yes yeah, so I, I, I am actually very lucky the fact that I have moved from swimming to triathlon because I do have those two sports that I can still do and um, swimming obviously is slightly more challenging and we have got a, back, a paddling pool in our back garden um which is about 12 13 degrees so it's pretty chilly in there but it's just trying to help feel the water a little bit like when i say paddling pool it, it's not even really a paddling pool it's a tiny little thing but at least you can you can actually feel feel something of your swim stroke um but swimming and um, sorry cycling and running have been pretty good you know i've been able to up the volume on that a little bit which it which has been quite useful in this time particularly as they're going to be naturally my week of the three um so spending all my time cycling indoors and then running outside and um, virtual gaming on the bike which i never thought i would be into but actually i've got quite addicted to it and it's <laughs> the constant like trying to chase people next to you even though you have no clue who they are is that um, on the Swift, is it? Swift. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've seen yeah, that. That so, looks pretty good. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is good fun, actually. I, I've not never been into gaming, and I hate sitting on a turbo indoors. So it's actually really helped me and um, just entertain me and be able to have that competitive. You can race on there, which is really good. So you can still get that you know what we all love the racing side of things yeah for sure i mean with the cycling if you have been able to get outdoors i guess it's 
it's kind of good like there's been less cars on the road which is perfect for cyclists isn't it <laughs> yeah it is amazing actually i haven't been going out that much and um, just because we were kind of advised not to in terms of putting stress on the nhs you know it's if something did happen if you did have an accident so i've been trying to limit it to like once a week but when i have been going out it's been so peaceful and um, you don't have cars driving up right behind you and you know pushing off the side of the road so it has been lovely in that sense um but hopefully now the lockdown's kind of eased a little bit can get out a little bit more which is which is really good so especially as the weather's getting better yeah it's perfect isn't it right now um so you've gone from being uh, essentially a sprinter in the pool um to doing triathlons which are obviously a much more endurance based event so there's a lot of changes there, obviously, with the two different disciplines, the two extra disciplines. And now with the energy systems, you've got to hit totally differently. How has your training had to change and kind of what encouraged you to make that change from swimming into triathlon as well? So obviously it is completely different. You know, I've gone from a minute, whatever race to a, an hour something race, which is huge. And I remember my first race I did and I was like, what on earth am I doing here? This is horrific. Like an hour of pain rather than a minute, which is over quite quickly. Um, but I actually think I'm probably more suited to triathlon. I think I was never really a sprint athlete. You know, I, I tried to build muscle and I just couldn't. Um, whereas actually I'm, I'm, my build is probably more suited to that endurance kind of sport and they still call it a sprint triathlon and I'm like that is no way a sprint that is a <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah th there's been a lot of changes and obviously you've got like you said earlier you've got four disciplines to fit in the, the swim the bike the run and then the gym rather than just swimming and gym so it, it's a balancing act but I actually I love that balancing act I think it keeps you fresh I think swimming is is a really tough sport because you're day in day out doing exact same thing and working the same muscles whereas at least in triathlon you know predominantly my legs on the bike and the run and then going into the pool using your arms a little bit more so you just don't feel that same fatigue that you feel during swimming i remember just feeling like a zombie 90 percent of the time when i used to swim whereas i feel a lot fresher even though i'm doing more hours and more mileage in triathlon Oh, that's right. interesting yeah, yeah. Really interesting. Mm. I, guess it's I think just, it's just that change of stimulus isn't it you, yeah, you know yeah. you're not doing the same movement pattern the whole time yeah I mean it emphasizes how important that is and it is maybe even just as much a mental um, challenge as it is a physical really to, to get all that training in and, and everything like that I mean on the race side of things um, to, to mentally prepare yourself for a sprint race is one thing to prepare yourself for for an hour long or, or whatever more race can be totally different. I mean, have you found that that's changed for you? Have you had to prepare differently? hundred uh, percent. I think swimming, I put so much pressure on myself. You know, I, I would be standing behind that starting block with my music in my ears and just jumping around and really, you know, trying to get in this zone um, and knowing that I only had one minute whatever to get from a to b in the fastest way possible um and so i would put a lot of pressure on myself to make any mistakes or you know if things didn't go well i'd completely beat myself up whereas triathlon is completely different and um, you know that you've got an hour and so much can change throughout the race that it's not the same kind of pressure um and 
maybe it's because I've gone into it in a different light and you know use my experience from my swimming to to kind of not beat myself up so much about when when performances don't go the the way I want them to go um and yeah just enjoy I, I actually enjoy the racing a lot more because I think it is over a longer period so you can't you can take it in a bit more rather than before you know it, the race is over you don't in swimming I don't think you often remember the race do you because it goes past you so quickly before sure you know you touch the you're like oh yeah, yeah. Like an easier sport than swimming is that what you're saying <laughs> yeah it's definitely it's very different in terms of like getting your head around all the tactical stuff and you know the transitions and when you're trying to run with a bike and jump on at the same time and yeah. all those things that you're just like what the hell is coming up next what am I doing and it, my mind for the first few races was just everywhere because there was so much to remember and um, yeah. where swimming has become so routine that I knew that I'd dive in the pool and it'd be automatic and yeah. Um, so yeah it is, it's been a really good change and it's definitely challenged me Sorry, Claire. Sorry, no. Uh, just, how long have you, um, have you been with triathlon now? Then, how long has this transition been going on? So, after twenty sixteen, um, I had a few months out of doing anything. Um, I just really needed to find myself. I was being a little bit broken from everything with swimming, so I, I just needed to go and discover myself a little bit more. And then, then I moved into triathlon in February of twenty seventeen. Okay. So, yeah, it's a while now. So, it, I'm quite grateful for the fact that I've actually got an extra year yeah. <laughs> until yeah. Tokyo it just gives me that extra bit of time to be more prepared in one sense yeah definitely and like you were saying there's so many more aspects to consider within a race in triathlon as well and you have time to think about it I mean other things you probably have to learn alongside what, what you have to do is, is you know the swimming biking running is things like mechanical issues on the bike like that's something that you yeah. can't necessarily always control and you have to maybe learn how to fix that yourself to you know for part of a race you can't always get you know nowhere near a station to, to have it fixed for you or anything and you have to learn all that side side of stuff as well the worst we could have well, is the suit rip that's you know yeah <laughs> the, yeah maybe well, i did have that before <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> But yeah, I think you were there at my, my first World Championships, actually, Amy, when my, I did have a big mechanical. Well, I got taken off the bike and somebody came behind me and knocked me off and I flew into the barriers and my bike was in about three pieces. You know, I had one wheel here, one wheel completely bent, my derailleur was completely off and I had absolutely no clue how to fix this. And you aren't really allowed any outside assistance, so I had to get myself had to run like a lap to get to the, the aid station where they weren't actually allowed to help me but I think because my bike was in such a mess they were just like well, we're gonna have to do something to put this bike back together so you can at least finish um, but yeah I, I've definitely come along a lot away since then but yeah there's so many things you know there's penalties there's I have my my wetsuit strap ripped so I couldn't get my wetsuit down so I, I literally had to like have my folk moment and try and rip it out <laughs> <laughs> I was like I, I don't know what to do I can't get it down nobody can help you um, and then you can get penalties for drafting there, there's all sorts of things yeah. that you've got to learn and you've also got to count laps, you know, in the pool when you've got two lengths to do or however many it is. Whereas if you've got five laps of a bike course and then four laps of a run course, when you're tired and all the, you know, your blood is going to your muscles rather than your brain, 
it's quite easy to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. There's a lot going on in that head. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, didn't you have um, somebody do that on one of your camps? Or somebody did an extra lap? I've, no, I've known it. Yeah. yeah, I've known it. It's happened a few times, I think. It, yeah. it's, always, it's my biggest fear, but then generally I, I have like my clock on my... Um, my Garmin counting, well, it tells me how far I've gone distance-wise. So I'm like, okay, I know to go in now. Otherwise, I would be useless. <laughs> I'd be doing 10 laps for like five or something. <laughs> or the opposite way, I'd do one. <laughs> so, <clears throat> travelling back in time a little bit, um, we've known each other for a long time. We, we kind of uh, grew up in a swing club together as kids. There in Wire Forest Swimming Club, um, and when we were there, you were at the time the only para athlete in the club, I believe. Um, how did you find that? Um, it's funny actually. I was trying to think back to what our Wire Forest days. I, I do remember a lot of us training, just the two of us, getting up in the morning, morning and crazy. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All on our own with our parents sat inside. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think. Why Forester was amazing, actually. You know, I, I was never treated any differently, and that's always the way I kind of want it to be. Um, and I hope that I fitted in well. I, I, I think I did. <laughs> Amy will be able to tell me differently. But no, I, I kind of made sure that no allowances were given to me. Obviously, there would be times where I definitely could not keep up with Amy, even if I wanted to. Um, but, you know, I was kind of put in the lane to make sure that I could fit in with those guys and I think everybody was really really accepting um whereas I have been to other clubs where maybe I haven't been accepted as well um I've kind of been treated slightly differently which was quite upsetting for me because it's not the way you want to be you, you want to fit in you know like everybody else um so and I, I think often that is ignorance it, it's people's nervousness around disability obviously that is changing massively, but I think in a lot of clubs they never have seen somebody with a disability and they just don't know what to do. So rather than kind of accepting it and maybe talking to the person, they just ignore it completely. Um, but the coaches at Y Forest have always been brilliant at just crack on, crack on as everybody else. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, 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 sure. Well, that, that's kind of how I saw it from my point of view as well when, when we were both there. And like I say, I remember, yeah, we, we used to get given some uh, extra sessions, didn't we, to do in, in mornings. and uh, Yeah. Yeah, go to Holy Trinity School. Yeah. At the time. Absolutely of the changing rooms. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if ever Amy got out early, I was so scared there was ghosts in there that I was like... <laughs> <laughs> not really the change in there and be like, right, I'm going. <laughs> not that, or if I got out early and Amy was slim crawl, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember it being really dark up the one end, at the deep end. And I just, yeah. I, I used to swim a lot faster in that end of the pool than at the other end. <laughs> it's just Weird, you convinced there's like sharks in there. It's like, it's a pool. <laughs> Oh, Maybe that's my <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. We just go faster. It was okay. Yeah, we were like seventeen. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we were young. We were definitely younger than that. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> <Hey>, fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to me like you just said there about the um, level of knowledge and acceptance and stuff like that around poolside now. Since I'd say Beijing Olympics and definitely since London, there seems to have been a massive like 
change and shift in people's just perception of the Paralympic and stuff. From my point of view, anyway, have you noticed that? Would you, you agree with that? Like, has there been change? Yeah, 100%. I think London was the massive game changer. And um, I think before that, we were kind of just seen as, you know, people with a disability getting involved in sport isn't that brilliant. Whereas actually it started shifting to more towards like elite athletes that just yeah. happen to have a disability, um, which is what we want. You know, we just need people to realize that we're trying to do everything to be the best that we can be. And we just happen to have something missing or something that's not quite functioning right. Um, but we're still doing, you know, the same hours, the same routines as generally all the our able-bodied counterparts. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely becoming more accepted, and I think just society as a whole, um, it is more accepting, and um, people are willing to talk about it a little bit more. Whereas I think before it was very much a taboo subject, and people didn't really want to broach it. Um, and you, you know, I know when I was a teenager, I was very self-conscious of the fact that I was different because I'd never had any role models, I'd never really seen anybody in the public eye that was like me until I started swimming. Um, and you know when you're in a swimming costume you can't really hide that was the one place I didn't whereas when I was at school I used to you know massively hide my arm away and wouldn't really want anybody to know that I was different to them yeah right. I think okay. all teenagers sort of feel that don't they in some yeah self-consciousness some yeah obviously yeah, yeah definitely yeah. yeah that's good I think yeah I think it has been a real probably those role models and stuff uh, from those from those Olympic Games, Paralympic Games has probably yeah, made a big change. Do you, I mean, you do quite a lot, don't you, with um, uh, being an ambassador for disability sports and stuff. Have you seen the like, increased levels of participation, if I can talk? Um, I think, yeah, it's something I'm very passionate about. I think sport massively changed my life. It, it was the reason that I am the individual I am today. And the fact that I am you know, happy in my own body is because of sport. Um, so I kind of want to make sure that everybody has got that opportunity no matter what age ability disability um, and just hopefully encourage them to believe that anything is possible because I think far too often we get limits put on us and we're told that we can't do things and we'll never be good enough and you know it, it's that constant wanting to prove people wrong that I've had throughout my whole life um, and I just want to share that with as many people as possible um, so yeah, if if I can inspire one person to believe in themselves, that that is something that I really really hope to do. Awesome. I'm sure you've inspired many more than one. <laughs> many. <laughs> I mean, you've um, your first Paralympic Games was in Athens. So you were how old then? Were you about fifteen then? Sixteen. You were sixteen then, and so you had a lot of your career. Obviously, like you say, London was the big game changer. So you had. A, you know a, a huge amount of your career like in a position where you know it, it you weren't feeling as comfortable or not you particularly but you know Paralympic sport wasn't on that same level and uh, as what it is now so you know to see that difference I, I know it came later on in your swimming career but that's huge that's that's incredible mm -hmm. I, I feel like yeah. it's all credit to you guys that have pushed through and broken those barriers a lot earlier on, like, like from Athens and, and, you know, showing people that you can do it. I mean, you are one of those role models, essentially. Um, yeah, I mean, 
what would you say you've done all of these amazing things what would you say is a career highlight for you it's a tough one because so many i'd say in swimming it was definitely um back in 2011 when i won my first individual gold medal um in rio we had a short course out there and um i broke the world record actually in 100 im and yeah won my first gold medal but unfortunately because of the thunderstorm the medal ceremony didn't take place oh, so no, i was like the one time i get to sing my national anthem and the medal ceremony has been cancelled so i was absolutely gutted because that was all i dreamed of it just standing on top of there in my tracksuit singing the national anthem um but in triathlon it, it's actually a very different one it, it was this year at the world championships um where i did actually win again but that that wasn't really the hot well it was the highlight but it was more the fact that how much the race changed so i went into the race um and i ended up having an absolute nightmare in the swim and came out fourth by quite a long way and um, whereas normally i'd be right at the front with with the top girls but i was way way behind and i completely given up i had i'd written myself off i was like you're you're rubbish you, you know you're shattered you're, you're clearly not in the game and all these really negative emotions going through my head and then i got onto the bike and man i was like two minutes behind at this point and you know they kept calling to me you're two minutes from the leader caught up third managed to catch up second but i was still really far behind the first person and each lap on the bike i kept noticing the time difference was going down by you know small margins by the time i got onto the run i went out with the the, the girl in first position lauren stedman and we ran head for head the whole race until the last like 100 well it wasn't even 100 meters 50 meters where i just managed to sprint and actually did win the race um, but the thing that I think I was so proud about is how you can change throughout a race and how actually your mind, it's massively mind over matter. And you just need to change your mindset into, a, it's not over till the fat lady sings, as you know, the famous saying is. And it is so true. You know, if I, if I had kept beating myself up through that, then I, the outcome would not have been the same. Um, so it, it's a bit of advice, you know, I, I give to a lot of people is don't give up until that race until you finish through that um that finish mark or whatever it might be that wall you're putting your hand on because you just don't know what can happen yeah yeah definitely great advice yeah, right. <laughs> sorry a very long story there for no it's good short question <laughs> no yeah i was saying the hairs were coming up as he was going through that story there so you you grew up um you had two older sisters uh, emma and ashling um i i knew emma a little bit more she also swam uh growing up obviously was there any sibling rivalry at all did that help you with the swimming or hinder it or you know anything like that at all um that helped you apply yourself to sport yeah i think there's definitely that rivalry i think there's always going to be we're, we're a very competitive family you know if we play board games at home it's it's like world war three is broken out in our house because <laughs> we're all <laughs> fighting against each other but I think that the most important thing that, you know, my parents have always instilled into me is that actually, yes, there's that rivalry, but that is fun and that's where it, where it ends. And actually it's, it's making sure that you understand that you're all different, you're all individuals, you all have your own strengths, you all have your own weaknesses and never ever compare yourselves to your siblings because you're different, you're a different person. And, you know, my sisters are far more academic than me. 
um, and I went down more the, the, the sporting route and I'm not saying I did badly in my academics but you know that they definitely excelled so it's it's but my parents have never treated me any differently and they kind of accepted that we're all individuals which I think is an amazing thing and I massively thank them for um, but I also think having two older sisters particularly living with a disability um, they definitely didn't make any excuses for me they would they say they did but they used to tie me up with my sleeves up so I couldn't get out which I say is definitely <laughs> It's toughened me up for the future. <laughs> so, <laughs> my parents treated me exactly the same as them and didn't kind of allow me well, to... Well, they tied you up as well. <laughs> 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 they get them in trouble. They <laughs> 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 didn't tie me up. <laughs> so, but yeah, just kind of, I was never wrapped in cotton wool. I was never treated, treated any differently. So kind of, it's made me pretty independent and you know, not make excuses for what I can't do and rather having that can-do kind of attitude. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know you now do, like, that attitude you take, like you say, you try to inspire people in the next generation, which is brilliant. You do a lot of work in schools and with uh, the charity Reach. Could you just tell us a bit about that charity and um, what it is, what, what it's about, and, like, your involvement? Yeah, so, so REACH is basically a charity for people with upper limb deficiencies um, of any kind of sort. So uh, basically, I'm trying to do what I did as a kid and go back there and help the parents realise that their children will be okay. Um, yes, they will struggle and there might be times where they do feel self-conscious, but they're okay. So just being there is a bit of a sounding board to kind of talk through the life cycle that you go through and um, living with with something that is a bit of a difference right. but also kind of trying to inspire those children to again believe that they can achieve anything um, and it, it's just giving little bits of advice you know like kids want to know how you tie your hair so going up and yeah. showing them how you tie your hair or how you how you do your shoelaces or whatever it might be um, so something I, I am really passionate about and I, I love going, we have like a family weekend every year and a big like party and a big conference and it's just amazing seeing so many of these kids just not caring about anything and being able to socialise with people that are similar to them and learning so much from them, um, which, is, which is incredible. That's great. You do some videos, don't you, of things like tying your hair or to painting your nails i remember you doing one for that yeah i did a few of those people were like we just we just like seeing it just because we like giggling <laughs> so like, also like salt and pepper people like how do you do salt and pepper so i had to like show so i basically put it on my head and then <laughs> which my friends just keep wanting me to upload a video just so they can laugh at me <laughs> like guys that's me <laughs> I know you sometimes do a little challenge with the kids at schools, don't you? Like race them to tie your shoelaces and stuff like that. Um, yeah, tie shoelaces or put a hat on with one hand. Yeah. Or no hands, because there's obviously the, the Chinese swimmers which have no arms whatsoever, and they put their hat on with their feet. Wow. Um, and I just think it's absolutely incredible. You what, sorry? You've got to be pretty flexible for that. Yeah. It, it's honestly, Amy, it's, it's 
amazing to watch them. You're just like, how do you do this? So yeah, it's often a challenge I do in schools and you'd be surprised some of the kids can get pretty far with these hats with their feet and I, I can't do it with my feet, but I can I can do it with my one hand. Yeah. <laughs> Some dexterity. Something to work on during lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's a challenge for everybody. Yeah. Hat, one hand, what you've got to do. Right. So you were obviously born without your left forearm and I know you don't use it very often but you do have prosthetics. I know on the bike you'll probably use it more a little bit now and I remember when you were a kid you had one growing up um, and because you didn't really use it probably for its purpose so much you used to use it to try and play tricks on people. Um, <laughs> what would you say your favourite trick to play on people was with it? Did I ever play any tricks on you? No, not on me actually, no. But oh, too kind so you to have it with you. So. True, that is true. Yeah. No, I, I, I used to love um I had a great time with it. I, I think Halloween, particularly when you could put, you know, fake blood over it and then you could just like throw it across the hall and the food hall and suddenly there's this arm with like blood <laughs> all over it. Or also putting it in a bed. So you put it in a bed so it looked like and then you put shoes out the end so it looked like somebody was in the bed. <laughs> somebody would come into the room and freak out because they think somebody's in their bed, but it's actually my arm. So yeah, lots of little little games like that, or shaking somebody's hand and then walking away and leaving the prosthetic there. So yeah, it, you know, you, you've got to have good fun with it because otherwise, you know, what else are you going to do with it? I don't use it for what I'm meant to use it for. So <laughs> no, <laughs> use it for fun instead. <laughs> yeah, or at a back. Scratcher, it's quite good for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> can't get to that bit of my back, so I'm like, right, use my prosthetic arm. <laughs> I guess you've seen prosthetics change quite significantly over the years as well. Oh yeah, like they're, they're amazing nowadays. You know, I wonder if I'd had those kind of options when I was younger, if I maybe would have used one. Um, particularly like the robotic ones that can do so much, and you're just like, wow. And they look really cool as well because the thing that I didn't like about the, the prosthetic I have is it looks too much like an arm um, and I felt like it was hiding my identity I felt like it was hiding me um, so having something that is really robotic and really cool looked amazing mm. or looks amazing I should say yeah, yeah especially kids are like I want one yeah <laughs> kids is... You're like you've got two arms you can't have one <laughs> <laughs> yeah but to be poor like you know Cyborg would be amazing. <laughs> Lovely, yeah. Right. Hand. Fantastic. Yeah. Your, uh, your partner Dave's also a, a triathlete. That, that's right. And yeah, he's high level. And you guys live together. What's the dynamic like of living two athletes together, both aiming for the same goals or very similar goals? Um, there's got to be times where somebody has like a disappointment, somebody has a great meet. Like, what's that like going home together? Yeah, definitely. I think competition time is particularly stressful. We, we try to avoid each other a little bit more because you just know you're both on edge and you take it out on the one you love, don't you? So often it's him taking out me and me taking out on him. Um, but yeah, there, there definitely has been quite a few hard years for us both, um, particularly. So London, I obviously qualified um, and he missed out by, you know, a margin. So, and he, he was swimming at that point as well. And right. um, so for me to go and you know experience this incredible home games and for him to be sat at home when it when it is so close to home was, was a real struggle and 
um, I remember like him finding it really difficult to come and actually watch, which was hard for him because he wanted to be there to support me. But then at the same time, it was his dream that he couldn't he couldn't do and he couldn't achieve you know what he wanted to achieve. Um, and then again, Rio, unfortunately, his category, so he moved to triathlon and his category was taken out a year, maybe two years before. So suddenly his dream was completely taken away from him again. And right. um, this time he did come to watch me. Um, so it, it, it was it was slightly different. But yeah, there's definitely been the highs and the lows and experiencing it, you know, for, for only myself, but for him as well, which which is, is really tough. Mm. Um, but we, we try to be quite professional in in the sport we try to kind of separate our our home life and our sporting life and yeah it's two different things but as you can imagine you know you two will have been through it often there's not that much to talk about when you come home and you've done the exact same thing you both train in the same way yeah. <laughs> although I, I'm a chatterbox so I always find something random to talk about so it's <laughs> not too big of an issue talk <laughs> at him poor boy <laughs> Well, Dave's a bit quieter though, isn't he? I think. Yeah, definitely. So it's me talking at him. <laughs> Brilliant. So, what would you say? Obviously, you're really inspirational for a lot of people. And what would you say your three most motivational phrases or words would be to help people? Whether that's right now for lockdown or just in general. Do you know what? I've got this quote, but I can't actually think of the exact quote right now. <laughs> Something like, it's what happens in the dark accounts. It's the Under Armour quote. Heard, I saw that the other day, yeah. Yeah, and I, I, it actually means a lot, I think, during this time, um, because I think, you know, we're not being able to show our performances. We're not able to compete. We're not able to show people what we're about, and that, that's why we train. Um, but actually what we're doing right now is going to make a difference. And it, it, you know, we shouldn't have to be racing to show everybody what position we're in. We just got to wait till the time is right. And then we'll be ready to take on the world. Definitely. I think. So cheesy. Isn't the quote something, it's something like it's what you do in the dark that will bring you into the light or something. Like that's it. Yeah. It's, it's what light. you do in the darkness that puts you in the light. That's yeah. One. Yeah. Okay. So it's the Under Armour, I think Michael Phelps did it for, it was one of his like campaigns, I think for Under Armour. And I just thought that that is so apt for right now. Um, Definitely. Oh, bless you. Yeah, I think, I think some people kind of don't realise that. Obviously, professional sport when, you know, at that level, it is very much on show. It is on a bit of a stage. And I think sometimes that's how... It, you then envisage it in your head but it really it's kind of you know half the world isn't up at five o'clock in the morning when you're getting in the world it's, it's you know i remember you used to say didn't you joe like getting up at that time in the morning was never easy <laughs> like you don't get used to it, how long you've done it for uh, even though some but our coach used to love it but anyway um if you if you didn't get out of bed obviously you always did but if you didn't you'd always have that nagging thing saying well someone on the other side of the world did right now yeah in a few months and so it's kind of even though you're not there with them right then to go and race them in training it is always that what you're doing behind closed doors that's really yeah important. that's what always used to get you out of bed you said wasn't it in the morning yeah it always helped on those mornings where you know you're tired you're sore it's raining out yeah you don't want to get up um yeah just use sort of that fear almost 
of what my competitors are doing. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was part of my motivation for definite, yeah. <laughs> and I think often it's like you're saying, people don't actually know what the life of an athlete is. They, you know, they, they think it's all amazing medals and all these, you know, glorious moments where you're standing in front of the crowds at the world championships europeans nationals whatever it is but they actually don't see all that hard work that goes on behind closed doors behind you know when you are on your own and it's really tough and yeah. um, they just see the, the, the good uh, or, or it could it could not be the best races you have or whatever but they just don't see the whole picture often which i think it's often important that people see everything else that goes on yeah. which is why we've had people like you on to do these interviews so um, I mean I think that's a really nice place to leave it with that quote that you've said you know that's one of your motivational phrases actually um, and even we, though I couldn't get the quote out yeah. but, we got what, <laughs> you, we meant. Got what you meant so, <laughs> but I mean thank you so much for today Claire you've been brilliant and it's been really interesting to kind of hear how things are going for you right now and everything else you're doing alongside swimming and training as well so thank you yeah is there Thanks. We'll follow you, Claire. Follow your journey to the next uh, Paralympics. Thank you. Yeah. Now, where do they need to follow you? Are you on Twitter, Instagram? Oh, where? Sorry, did you say yeah, yeah. where? Um, yeah, where Instagram. Action. What am I? At Claire Cashmore One, maybe. <laughs> At Claire Cashmore. And you'll find me. I don't think there's that many Claire Cashmores out there. Fair enough. No, and you got your. Own there is. Well, haven't you? I've got my what? Sorry, own website. Got your own website as well. Yeah, but I'm not very good at updating it. I'm a bit of a technophobe, so <laughs> probably all my swimming days and nothing triathlon, I think, on there. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm more active on Twitter and Instagram than I am on my website. Oh, so, yeah. Brilliant. Well, guys, go and follow Claire, follow her journey up to Tokyo now, 2021. And we wish you all the best. Yeah, hope Thank you. A memorable, exciting journey and that when you get there, it's a really good one for you. Yeah. Best of luck to you, Dave Claire. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Yeah. See you. Bye, Bye. Bye Claire. Bye.